Content warning. Mentions of sex, Nazis and Holocaust, drug use, gang violence, and death. Hello and welcome to the Billy Shears Club. I'm your host, Caleb Clark, and with me today we have featuring Rachel Pador. How are you doing today, Rachel? I'm doing pretty good. I'm excited. Glad to hear. Well, we got two lovely albums for you folks. This week we have In the Aeroplane Over the Sea by Neutral Milk Hotel and Furt Forever by ASAP Furt. Uh, how about you start us off with a little bit about uh, Neutral Milk Hotel there, Rachel? Sure. So Neutral Milk Hotel was started um, by Jeff Magnum um, from Athens, Georgia. And he actually formed a group called Elephant Six with his friends in the early 90s. Um, and they traveled around in a van um, making music and not, you know, they didn't really have a home until they were unemployed, <laughs> um, super hippie. And uh, then they would return home and record albums. Um, they came out with Everything Is in 1993 and On Avery Island in 96. And On Avery Island is kind of like what put them not on the map, so to speak, but like people kind of knew about them more. Um, and then they were going to record um, in the airplane over the sea. Um, that was going to be their next album. And it kind of started when Jeff Magnum read um, The Diary of a Young Girl by Anne Frank. Um, and when he was reading this, he had a really like emotional connection to her. Um, and after he was done, he cried for three days and got inspired to make some music. Um, so that album kind of came out of that creative push. Um, and actually, he had a nervous breakdown at the end of that first tour they did um, on this album. Oh, yes, yes, he is a very emotional person. And actually, I was thinking that there were probably some drugs involved in this, um, but there actually weren't, which is kind of nuts. Um, <laughs> I thought this You're telling me no drugs. I, I can't say for sure, but that's what he claims. I think he, I did a little background research on Jeff Magnum. He had done drugs in the past, so who's to say, you know? Um, anyway, uh, after he read The Diary of Anne Frank, um, he would have dreams that he'd like go back in time and rescue her, and they'd be like really vivid dreams, um, probably because of the hallucinogens he had done before. Um, but this album isn't completely about Anne Frank. Um, if it was, that would be pretty disturbing because there's some definitely some sexual imagery in here. Um, but it was definitely inspired by her story and just all the emotions that that provoked in him just kind of had this release. Um, and I honestly, I really love this album. I think it's pretty deep. It's also, you know, not so deep in other points. I mean, some of it doesn't make sense. Um, and there's definitely references to Anne in her life, um, but yeah, um, I don't know if you want me to go into like what I think the album is about, or if that we should save that till later. Uh, yeah, yeah, we can go into like the general album thoughts. Yeah, that's good. Sure. Go ahead. So the big themes in here are like human connection, love, and that love being the desire to merge with another person. Um, it's about God and like divinity, um, loss, procreation, and yeah, the Holocaust and death and horrible things. Um, and it's through this lens of this Jeff Magnum hippie wonder. Um, and I actually um, 
the analysis I most agree with, like online, is a pop matters analysis. I don't agree with everything in there because everybody's going to interpret it differently. Um, but I think that does a good, well-rounded job of looking at the album. A lot of people like to interpret everything um, like it's about Anne Frank, like it's this ode to Anne Frank. And that can get really tricky in some spots. And I, I don't think that's what it is. Um, to me, this album is a, like a giant poem, like the epic. Um, <laughs> the indie folk epic, I don't know. And I think the music, which is like flowing and loud, clamoring at some times and sweet at other times, um, represents um, this idea of that this album is a big poem and you gotta listen to all the songs in order. Um, yeah, and a lot of instrumentation used in this. I, I love all the different instruments. Um, you've got horns, guitar, synthesizer, bagpipes, strings, woodwinds, things I can't even name. Um, and their sound is really kind of like indie folk, like a garage band with the trombone and lots of noise. It's kind of how I described it. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoy this album. It's one of my favorite albums, um, at least in, you know, the indie world. Yeah, I definitely really enjoyed it as well. Like, like you say, sort of work backwards, I guess, like the general sound, like you say, lots of those weird mixes, you know, you said the garage rock, the trombone, the acoustic guitar, and it's all sort of almost Beach Boysy in a way, and like it just yeah, it's like that very heavy on melody, but and big energy, but like doing whatever you kind of want to do, being a little bit experimental and like being loose and willing to take those big chances. Oh, yeah, like, it's and, definitely very experimental <laughs> yeah but then on top of it you have jeff mangum who's got this very i was his voice is very confident it is sort of a tenor, <laughs> like you in a way you want to like sort of tease him because his voice is just very nasally and he like a lot of times he doesn't quite hit the notes but he really tries his hardest but it also it sort of comes around in like say a very sort of folksy countryish way and it's like it's just that raw appeal to it if it really made right. it work and then yeah, yeah the, definitely yeah and then the lyrics yeah they're very poetic very all over the place i would say they're sort of because a lot of my listening to it is dominated by that and franklin's i guess where it's like but i've come to you more like but my thing sort of came into like sort of three I guess sort of overlapping things where it's like things that are definitely about Anne Frank things that are maybe about Anne Frank but it also could be taken another way and things that really aren't about Anne Frank right but yeah yeah overall yeah definitely lots of themes of like yeah the the rescue and like like sort of those funda fundamental like beats of human life and like growing close and intimate and the person like knowing them really closely and yeah death and procreation and such it's like yeah. this, and he's got just this weird way with words where it's all sort of flowing and super personal and the mystic but all and slightly mystical and also sometimes kind of a little bit gross but you know it just comes together in this very like you say surreally poetic manner it's just really good stuff. Yeah, I I really like it. Um, 
I'm glad you liked it too. That makes me happy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, some of the imagery, it's like graphic and like surrealistic and just, ew, why, Jeff? But at the same time, it's beautiful. It's beautiful and disturbing. Yeah. And we'll definitely get into those as we go along. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, let's see. Any particular songs that you like? Um, I was just kind of go- going to go through them in order because I think they all kind of like tell a story. Um, okay. Yeah, so the first one was The King of Carrot Flower, part one. Um, what did you think of this? Did you like it? Yeah, it's a really good sort of intro where it's the, you know, just the acoustic guitar and him telling the story of, like, being young lovers and, like, well, quite frankly, they do it for the first time as her parents <laughs> are, marriage is falling apart and... They're drinking and they're abusive and the dad is suicidal and it's a really, it's that really weird juxtaposition that just yeah. works really well and it's like really sets you up because like after this you know okay this is this is gonna be an interesting time and also like as it goes on it starts off with just the acoustic guitar but then it introduces the more of the melodica and the violin parts. That was cool. Yeah. So, yeah, how about you? Um, I, of course, liked it. Um, <laughs> it's kind of like this indie, and it's got like this old-timey feel to it, um, yeah. like folk song about childhood and first love, and it's very melodic, but at the same time, that melody, this song is all about juxtaposition. I completely agree. Um, where you've got abusive parents that are having serious issues and like you're yeah. hooking up with you're not hooking up but you know you're yeah. your first love you're you're making love with your first love you know what i mean and it's mm-hmm. it's a good situation but it's not a good situation i mean it's it's a happy time but yeah. also look at all the shit that was going on or excuse me <laughs> um, the crap yeah. Oh, there, yeah 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 and I really like how he's the king of carrot flowers. I very much think that this is kind of about his childhood. Um, mm-hmm. I know that his parents didn't have a very good relationship and there was some mm-hmm. issues there. Um, yeah. But there's also beauty in that juxtaposition. Like they're still able to, you know, have their first love amidst all this strife. Yeah, yeah definitely. And it's like, simultaneously the hope and you know the the innocence being treasured and hoping it'll last forever but also like given sort of that being the previous generation and like will it turn into their parents are going through right yeah it's another layer (laughs) yeah it's a gnarl in there the good onion Talking about carrots. Well, carrot flowers. Carrot flowers. Carrot flowers have very many umbles. Speaking of, yeah, then we get to King of Carrot Flowers, parts two and three. What do you think there? Okay, I loved part part um part two. It starts off. I love you, Jesus Christ, and it's just like it's wailing and like jubilant and there's this big noisy music behind it like these these horns 
And I actually think he's like pretty sincere about this. Like he loves Jesus Christ or like the image of Jesus Christ or whatever Jesus Christ means to him. Like he's not being sarcastic. Um, I don't, I don't know what his religious views are, but, or not his religious views, his religious beliefs, excuse me. Um, but yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely seen that very ecstatic energy with like the big guitar crunch, and then like yeah. all the drums come in, and it's like very speedy. I I will say I was like I was looking around at articles and I saw one that mentioned like it was it was less about like one that suggested I think from Jeff that this was more about like general religious ecstasy as opposed to specific like love for Jesus Christ, like you know. Which, oh, honestly, yeah, absolutely. You get that which, vibe. <laughs> yeah, which, I mean, it could go either way, depending on when you listen. But also, like, this sort of opened my eye to the larger project, because, like, like, with the... Because I had been sort of working from... Uh, yeah, I apologize. Suki is here, no. and she is not quiet. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, that's okay. That's some good ambiance. But, yeah, I was... Because, like, I, just, I had been working through it. I was like, hmm, do 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 but then I realized it would be really weird to have a song about a famously Jewish girl who died and have a song, number two, be going, I love you, Jesus Christ. But then I realized <laughs> it's, not, it's not fully about that. It's more about, like, it's very highly personal, experiential relationship with the world and all these different things that bring up these great emotions within him and so that started right. to make things come together for it and it is like like i said that's sort of why we have this big will of energy and it's going there and i i will i should take a moment at this point and it's just like actually we'll get to that later but yeah this was my thoughts yeah definitely and like I think redemption is a big part of it too. Like after all this is over, you know, like it's going to be okay because Anne's going to be wherever she's going to be, where we go when we die and it'll be better than her life. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that can definitely tie into it. I don't think that there's any direct, you know, um, yeah. it's, it's all, it's all about themes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then part four, um, up and over we go. It was originally a different song that they just never really like fleshed out, so they just added it to this. Um, <laughs> it's like it's like kind of garage rocky. It's like fun, yeah. fast, um, yeah. and it's like completely the opposite of this religious or spiritual um, exclamation that we had in part three. Um, it's looking at life as if it's disposable like inside my mother in a garbage bin like <laughs> and it's just like up and over we go da, da, da. you know what i mean <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and really funny part about this song is the end of it doesn't actually have lyrics he just made stuff up so whatever you hear it's probably what he's saying um <laughs> yeah and it's just i don't know it's it's almost kind of like just a throwaway th Song, but it's really it's fun and I think it's good. Um, yeah. yeah, right after, you know, I love you, Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes Jesus Christ, I love you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're so cool. Yeah, get the part yeah. going. 
Sweet. For sure. I, I didn't have too much in that one. Yeah. yeah. We get title track. Title track in the airplane over the sea. This is a sad song. <laughs> yeah. It is. This is definitely about Anne and the Holocaust. Yeah. Hands down. I mean. And it's it's got this pretty guitar melody and like these these ghost like ooze, like Anne's calling out to him and like that's in the lyrics too. Yeah. It's a really sad one and like that just simple ballad feel. And him just sort of thinking about death and your ashes being scattered into the ocean, but no. Yeah. Enjoying the youthfulness that you got. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, I don't know, it's, I think it's really beautiful. Like, it's like he's singing to Anne in the beginning, like, what a beautiful face, and hold it close and keep it here with me so that, you know, at the end we know what happens, but like right now. Yeah. Things are still safe and good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, you know, as he's reading the diary, like, it's just, like, kind of disturbing imagery of, like, pushing his fingers through her mouth to make those muscles move. Which is, like, him paging yeah. through the diary, but, like, oh, what a, what a way to say it. <laughs> Come on, Jeff. You're not helping your case here. That was, I know. That was the, and I that think was this, song, this song, this <laughs> song, yeah... We're, yeah. we're, we're rooting for you, Dev, but you, you could have helped yourself out there. Um, yeah. 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 I, I, will, I will say I'm, I'm probably ragging on him a bit much because he seems like a nice guy who just had a genuine reaction and wanted to process it. And like, right. there are a lot of those lyrics that are about Anne right next to the lyrics that are a lot more anatomical. Absolutely, yeah. And I, I came to sort of the conclusion that this is a complete fantasy where in those scenes he's like also 15-year-old. It's like some sort of right. World War II adventure book. So that's sort of what well, kept... That's my personal take, but also like I get if you want to make people be more charitable or less charitable, and that's, that's valid because it does get into weird territory. But yeah. Oh yeah, it gets uncomfortable and like... <laughs> Yeah. I think Jeff is a good guy. I mean, if you look at his website, um, he's constantly trying to do good things. I mean, he's helping out Syrian refugees all the time. I don't think he's um, a nasty person. Yeah. But no. um, He doesn't do like that. No. Um, yeah, and I think he's also probably merging his childhood and growing up and his first love and his secrets and everything with, you know, this kind of dreamlike world where he's with Anne or you know what I mean? I don't think it's Yeah, yeah. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's all sort of flowing together really. Yeah, I can get that. Right. And you just you gotta be careful with your words also. <laughs> you can, you know. But he probably never intended this. I mean, never knew that so many people would be listening to his music. This was kind of a private thing for him, you know? Yeah, that is fair. He does seem like a very reclusive person. Like, mm -hmm. like I saw in the research, he also ended up just having a lot of anxiety about the band once it did become a big success. Like, yeah. Yeah. 
That makes sense. And we got two-headed boy. Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious to know what you thought. <laughs> yeah, so... It was... It was weird. It seemed... Because there's a lot of weird imagery. I think the because it's sort of that the story of like a boy with two heads cheated as a scientific oddity and kept in a jar, and then Jeff manages to build up a friendship with him and you know hang out with him. But then the world sort of demands this very exact knowledge of him and breaks the two-headed boy's body basically and like. Puts fingers through the notches in his spine. And then he just... I think he gets... Then something, something about radio. And then I think he falls in love with Anne Frank at the end. I'm not sure. But yeah, it's very weird. It's, yeah, a, it's, a, very, it's a very sweet tale. It's, like, it's almost like a fable. You know, yeah. like Iron Giant or something. It's very sweet. But it also has that very dark, tragic under undertow. Right. Which, on, on some lessons, I even thought that the two-headed boy was the diary of Anne, oh. of Anne Frank, where it's like Jeff has this very, you know, one-on-one relationship with it, where it's just him and the diary, him having this really, you know, sort of Getting into the mind of Anne Frank versus the larger world, who you know really super analyzes it, or alternatively, it's Holocaust, it's some sort of abominable science experiment thing. If they want to take a really dark, right. yeah. So it's interpretations, baby. There's lots of them. Right. Yeah, I, I like I like how you made sense of that because I was having a lot of trouble making sense of this song. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's it's also like it's an indie acoustic and it's like really up tempo and that's kind yeah. of off putting almost if you look at the lyrics. Um, yeah. You get this this two headed boy sitting in a jar of formaldehyde and you're like, yeah. oh, what happened to him? And then yeah. I think it goes back to you know when he was alive and like his childhood and him growing up. And then I think what I pers- I don't know this is like my interpretation I don't know. Um, I think maybe then what happened was he became the scientific oddity and we know that the Nazis did horrible things to any kind of twins. Imagine what they would do if they found a two-headed boy, you know what I mean? Oh, oh, Um, yeah. And so I think it kind of gets into that. um, And that even though that Anne Frank probably never, or maybe she did, I don't know, encounter um, people who had been medically tortured like that, at the end, I think it's this, that they need each other, they'll understand each other, you know, like after death, they like meet and like, like fall in love or something, you know what I mean? Like, maybe not a, um, like a romantic love, but have this deep connection with each other that's like love. Um, yeah. That is yeah, love, totally. you know what I mean? Not like love. Um, yeah. And also, with the two-headed boy, which we kind of get into in part two. It's kind of this twisted love between two souls that um, merged together, like became too dependent on each other so that they were physically together. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah, it's definitely a gruesome image. 
um, of a two-headed boy in a formaldehyde jar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and after that, we get the fool. I don't have much. It sort of sounds like a some sort of dirge, presumably for this two-headed boy. Yes, then... I thought the same thing. A dirge for the two-headed boy. <laughs> yeah. And, and then... it's like a full band. Like, yeah, yeah, it's like a little marching band. It's like took that jar across the city. So, who do you think the fool is? The world that didn't appreciate two-headed boy, Jeff. Maybe. I would hope he wasn't calling someone who just died tragically a song the fool. Like that seems that seems harsh. I don't. I don't think so. I kind of thought like the world and like maybe even specifically Hitler, like mm, yeah, a fool just to take life so senselessly, and you know what yeah. I mean. Yeah. yeah. I have no idea though. Yeah. <laughs> me, me neither. But yeah. Then yeah. we get it's it's kind of how it feels on this album. I don't really know, but it's what I kind of think. Well, that's why people talk about it so much. Twenty three years later. Right, yeah. yeah. But then we get, in case you didn't realize yet, we have Holland 1945. What a song. Which is, it's got like this funky little garage punk beat. As talking mm -hmm. about Anne Frank being executed and reincarnating as a boy playing piano in Spain. Yes. And how and how Jeff wishes that the world was a better place that wouldn't kill people. Yeah. Yeah, that about sums it up. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. And, uh, what was I gonna say? Oh, those, uh, the lyrics at the very end, when, you know, the world would rather see their faces filled with flies and he wants to keep the roses in their eyes and he wants to save them. And like he talks about the, these roses in Anne's eyes, like she was a beautiful girl. She was, you know, her family was beautiful. All these people, all these beautiful people that they killed and they'd rather see them, you know, their faces filled with flies. But like, I don't know. It's hard. Yeah, he, I mean, yeah, I don't have much. It's, it's a difficult album at a lot of points. With yeah, really awful things and really... yeah, and I think it's worth mentioning that I think this kind of reading Anne's diary, I don't know. Yeah. I think it kind of broke him a little bit. I think that's that's why <laughs> yeah. a lot of this stuff is the way it is. Um, he just had I mean... such a strong emotional reaction to it, and probably brought up some kinds of trauma from his life. Yeah. I've, I haven't read it and honestly I don't know if I would have the emotional strength to because I get God pretty easily too so I might end up writing a indie folk epic and turning myself away from the world you might you'll make money years and years later <laughs> <laughs> but I'll be there <laughs> yeah I guess my only thing to add is just that he has some really nice imagery to sort of commemorates their 
passing, especially when he's talking about the brother up in space. Now he's writing a comet. And yeah. Definitely. That was nice. But yeah. Yeah, and like when she's born, she's born on a bottle rocket. I think that's so cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, shall we get to Kamiya's daughter and that line? Oh, yeah, that's not even in this song. Huh. Yeah. Oh, that line. I think I think we could say it one time since it's an anatomical term. Say it with me now. Three, two, oh, one. I was ready. Okay, Amen. three, two. No, no, no. Three, two, one. Semen stains the mountain. Oh, I don't know. We'll, we'll figure it out. There it is. There it is. <laughs> There's yeah. a line, it says, semen stains the mountaintops. And honestly, Jeff, you could have picked better words. <laughs> I don't think he could have picked better words. I think he should have picked a better phrase. It's like, this is the least gross way he could say it. Yeah. But he should have said But I don't know. And I, I, I don't think it's actually about... I think it's about the image of mountaintops and, like, snow-capped mountaintops, but, like... You know, you know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know, though. I don't know yeah. what else. I mean, it's definitely representing, like, this area is fertile. I don't know. Oh, I, I, I took it a different way, but it will get uncomfortable. Gotcha. Get uncomfortable. So I'll say it outright. I would, because, like, with it being specifically a communist, I took it as sort of. Soviet soldiers sort of on the Eastern Front reclaiming parts of Europe and like oh. the it's like imagery of the Nazi army having come in and destroyed things and with that sexual imagery it's just them wasting I uh, procreative energy, I guess. I, uh, this is the bad idea. I, okay, okay. <laughs> or maybe okay. just like sort of like after effect, the damage that's you know made your mountaintops gross. Yeah. I didn't really know what to do with that line because I didn't think it was meant in a sexual way. I thought I'm pretty sure. I mean, it's definitely sexual imagery, but like the line where it's placed doesn't make sense that they would be talking about sex right there. Um, and I think your interpretation of it is, like, actually very good. Um, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, because I, I, I didn't know. <laughs> I, I'm like, what, what does this mean? <laughs> and I, I think definitely, yeah, it's laying waste to something. Um, laying waste to lands and like these, these, uh, you know, they, they did horrible things also, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. But then the verse comes on, and we'll talk about that now. And yeah. It's about, about the, I don't know, what did you think about the verse part? Um, let me see, I just have my notes up. I don't have yeah. the actual lyrics, sorry. Yeah. Um, for this song, I think it's it's definitely for he's talking about a girl. I don't know which girl he's talking about. I don't know if he's talking about his girlfriend or if he's talking about Anne Frank. 
Um, but whoever this person is, they're like against fascism and they're like strong. And I, I don't know. Um, so maybe he is talking about Anne Frank, um, which would be uncomfortable with that one line. Um, Yeah, I just, I just have official one look around it, Holland, and be like, wow, there's a lot of wreckage here. And I guess, like, proofs that she must still exist kind of implies the ghost of Anne Frank, maybe. But mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't know. But yeah. I don't know. It kind of, it sounds, the way the melody is and everything, it sounds a little bit like a love song. Um, yeah. Yeah, that very soft energy to it. Yeah. yeah. No, no whiny vocals in this song, which yeah. I think is present in almost every other song, just because yeah. of you know the way his voice is. Yeah, which is a valid voice. I sing like that, but worse. Valid so. voice. Yeah. Yeah. And then. Oh, comely. Oh, comely. So there's like song three on. different. Yeah, and I think that's because it's literally like three different. It's all one song, but there's three different like stories or themes in it. Like they're not really together, but they're kind of mashed together. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was very confused by it. I'm not sure, maybe because it just like for a while, and it is the. But, but what are the three stories? Because I got something about adultery. But yeah, that, there's I don't definitely know. an unsafe. Yeah, I mean, I really like I really like this song musically. Um, I think all the songs I guess on this album are musically like pretty fantastic. I don't know. Um, I don't think there's really a boring song. Um, yeah, but the first the first part is definitely about an unfaithful husband, and you have this like surre surrealistic imagery of like this father with like prostitutes, or you know, um, and it's not all of it makes sense, but enough of it makes sense that like you get the gist. Um, and then you have the chorus, and then you have um, this beautiful imagery of like like sex in a garden um and i i'm using the word beautiful loosely it's a little it can, it's a little weird <laughs> um and then then you jump to burying Anne's body with 500 others and like death and it's just like whoa <laughs> we've gone on a trip here we went from you know having a father who breaks your mother's heart um and then you um as in you as in Jeff, I guess, um, you know, like having sex in a garden, um, and then death. I don't know. Um, but when you get to that part, burying Anne's body with 500 others, you know, he goes back and it's again, he wishes he could save her with the time machine. Um, and then at the end, he's talking about somebody, and I, I believe it's probably still the same person um, from the, the garden, um, Goldaline, and they're like going to fold and freeze together, so they're going to like die and merge together as one, um, blend together with her. 
and then be reborn. Yeah. That after death, there isn't this darkness. Um, they're going to, you know, be together, and then, yeah, come back into the world. And I guess Goldaline, that name is originally from a song about Siamese twins that they never really released. So I don't know. I don't know what to do with this song. There's a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't know. That's that's better than I would be able to do. <laughs> Snaps. Yeah, I, I I literally cannot add anything to that one. I was I was just really confused. <laughs> so, I mean, it sounds kind of nice. It's another slow one, I guess. And towards the end, we get another like funeral brass band type thing. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. And after and after that, we get Ghost, which is another one that is very direct. Like you had mentioned earlier how just sort of got into got obsessed with Anne Frank and like apparently the hallucinator ghosts and this sort of sounded like him writing out how he's feeling haunted by the ghost of Anne Frank and feeling compelled to create this album yeah definitely yeah it's just I mean, it's Nutrima Hotel. It's, it's a strange song. It's a folk sound. I I enjoy it. It's definitely a very fitting sort of climax for it. I like the outro. I like the theremin that they throw in. Like, yeah. It's cool. Yeah, I like this song. It's a fun song. Um, and it is still a fun song, even though it's about Anne Frank, it's you can tell he's not completely depressed. Um, he sees light for Anne, you know, in death, in whatever comes after death. Um, and so I think he's able to write this song and like the band as a whole, you know, perform it and still be happy about it. I don't know. Um, it, it definitely builds. It starts off kind of slow, or not slow, but quieter. Um, and it's got this got all this horns and noise and this triumphant end and like there's like synthesizer stuff in there and um I really like the lyrics um because it's about Anne but it's like I don't know kind of embezzling her life with surrealistic imagery I don't know <laughs> um like she was born in a bottle rocket so she's gonna fly far away and she was drenched in milk and honey she's good and sweet and innocent you know this horrible thing this atrocity you know took her life um but she's going to live forever, not be afraid. Um, yeah, and there's also in verse two, it's it's not about Anne, which I, I thought it still was. Um, it's actually about a baby girl falling from a burning apartment. Um, in that time period, like landlords, if they weren't getting paid rent, they would burn apartment build, buildings down um, and oh. collect insurance money. Yes. Wow. Um, yes. What? Yes. So it's it's literally about a baby girl falling from an apartment building. <laughs> Parallels. Mm-hmm. I'm scared. <laughs> Isn't that horrible? So it's got it's got all this dark stuff in it, but it's still like I don't know. It's a fun song. How is it a fun song? <laughs> it has a light at the end of the tunnel. It's got a light at the end of the tunnel, and I guess that's enough to keep them going. 
Yeah. And then we have our untitled track, which is, you know, great instrumental. There's like this yeah. bagpipe, this solo going on. Um, and it's yeah. really celebratory. Like, you know, yeah, at the end of Ghost. Yeah. It's got the, and those monster organ riffs there, just like, do just yes. rock out. Yes. <laughs> and they've got the drums mixed up way too high, but it's perfect because you need all that energy. Right. <laughs> my my spot on interpretation. You can it go ahead and sample on. it. <laughs> and then two headed boy part two electric boogaloo. I thought this was kind of a weird way to end the album, but I'll take it. Um, it's got this weird spacey <laughs> noise intro. Yeah. And. I really think this song is about love, like all kinds of love. Um, you know, we have this imagery of like the two-headed boy and the formaldehyde jar, and it's nasty. But now you see like the love between the brothers, and even though it was probably kind of twisted, it's still beautiful in its own way. Um, but also, you know, you get lyrics like tongue in his teeth. They're not kissing. Yeah. His tongue is coming through the other one's mouth because they're connected. You know what I mean? Oh! <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and they don't want to be separated. Um, oh. Yeah. And then, oh, I brushed over the, the fatherhood love. There's, you know, you see the boys like kind of growing up, um, presumably when they're still alive. Um, and like there's dancing and music and like, a father holding a child in his arms and it's it's really nice um, and i think this song is a, a lot about love and god um it says god is the place you will wait so it's this holy entity like all surrounding you love is all around you you know what i mean um it's a very feel good strange very strange hippie hippie kind of song yeah <laughs> Very grim out there, sort of hippie. Much more space oddity than, you know, hurdy-gurdy man. Mm -hmm. I don't know hippie songs, but yeah. Yeah, it is definitely, yeah, I didn't have much, but yeah, it is definitely that tragic. Yeah, like you say, the more, I guess, autobiographic side of, or like the two-headed boy side of the equation. And then it has yeah. that bridge with, yeah, I, in my dreams you're alive and you're crying, which is just a very heartbreaking line. Right. And then, yeah. But then at the end, she'll feed us tomatoes and radio wires and retire her sheets safe and clean. But don't hate her when she gets up to leave. Why am I eating radio wires? Is it is it like a Metaphor I for communication? I don't know about that one. I don't know about that one. But that's what they fed him in part one, too, I guess. Right. Um, I guess that's what he likes to eat. Yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of like, you can love people, but you still have to let them go be their own people. And be their own. Yeah. Maybe the band is yeah, the sheet since, since, like... Right after they say, don't hear when she gets up to leave, and then Jeff gets up and leaves. Yeah. 
maybe. Sorry, I got my gun. I moved my leg and kicked it out of my ear. Oh! <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, well, that's that's all I have to say about that one. I mean, it's it's yeah. quite a lot. Um, you yeah. could just analyze that forever and never really know what it's about. Yeah. I mean, you know what it's... it was about, but, like, not everything. Yeah. Yeah, it's a heavy album, but it's, like, thought-provoking, very sweetly produced, like, one that you sort of have to go in your own, at your own risk and in your own way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That case. Yeah. For forever. We're switching gears. <laughs> yeah, this one that's going to be it's not gonna be completely light, but it is a lot lighter. We don't have to talk about Nazis. It is. We don't so, We don't know. There were to my knowledge no Nazis involved in the production of this. <laughs> Good. Yes. So, ASAP for a little bit of background, uh, this rapper grew up in Harlem. His father unfortunately passed away when he, he was young, so he decided he was going to follow his father's footsteps and become a fashion designer. To that end, he joins this group called ASAP Mob, which is like this sort of general hip-hop and fashion and like general creative arts type group that was growing in Harlem at the time, sort of like late 2000s into the early 2010s. Uh, main people you need to know from the group are ASAP Yams, who's like sort of the one big founder and the creative director as you're breaking through, and ASAP Rocky, who's the mainstream face of the group. So Ferg starts off on the fashion side, but eventually they figure out, hey, I'm actually kind of good at rapping, so they start getting him to rap more. And he has verses, like he has a few solo songs, he has a song on the uh, ASAP Mob's whole, they put out a mixtape in 2012 called Floors Never Worry, and he has a few pinches there, plus his own song called Work, which That'll be important. And uh, a couple appearances on ASAP Rocky's stuff, including one of the songs from his big mixtape, Live Love ASAP, called Kissing Pink. And uh, he ends up on the deluxe version of the their first studio album, ASAP Rocky's Long Live ASAP. But then Ferg ends up being the next one to get the major label treatment. He puts out Trap Lord in, I believe, 2014. And the work gets a really good remix on there with like Schoolboy Q and Rocky. And also Trinidad James and French Montana, because as we all know, they are the best rappers alive. And it's it's really loved because it's got like all this cool, surreal uh, trap uh, production. And like Ferg has his weird voices and energy and also and just goes really hard, but also shows off his introspective side. And then later that year, he puts out this mixtape for forever. 2015, uh, some tragedy strikes. Uh, ASAP Yams passes away. Going to the mob, it, I think they said sleep apnea, but some reports say drugs, so it's a bit unclear there. Uh, the next few projects all have a more mournful tone. Uh, Rocky puts out At Long Last ASAP. Uh, Ferg puts out Always Strive and Prosper, which is what ASAP and ASAP Mob stands for, and also all their names. And then that's in 2016, and then 2016 ASAP Mob as a group puts out another full album called uh, Cozy Tapes Volume 1. Then 2017, it starts to, the group isn't doing quite as hot, like they're starting to fall off. As far as like other members of the group, Rocky puts out Testing in 2018, which is more experimental, isn't as big of a hit, and he mostly 
does individual songs and just sort of has random stuff and apparently got arrested in Sweden because some people were harassing friends and he went and punched them. Oh, that's a whole other thing. Uh, the mob, one of the members gets arrested for doing some pretty not, not, not nice things and kind of soft, gets soft kicked out of the group. Uh, they put out another full group mixtape called Cozy Taste Volume 2. A couple of the members, uh, ASAP Ant and ASAP 12E, start putting out albums, but no one really cares because ASAP 12E is basic and ASAP Ant is awful. And as for Ferg, though, he sort of kept going. He put out a Still Striving and two floor seat tapes. And he's kept making appearances. He's actually gotten a couple of top 40 hits called uh, Plain Jane and Movie Hips, both with the support of Nicki Minaj. And so, yeah, Ferg Forever. This is a, uh, I believe it's a Gangsta Grills uh, tape, which is this really big, prolific series of mixtapes. That was important. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's like this guy, DJ Drama, and it's like one of the big series. And so, they. You may have noticed at a few points there's someone yelling Gangsta Grills and DJ Drama like all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, this is mixtape. Rules are a little different than you know standard album. It's a lot more you know playful and trying all these different styles and beats and has not as big of a budget as the other ones, but it's really good. It's a really fun project. What do you think generally? I really liked it. Um, my experience with like hip hop and rap is very limited. Um, I normally don't listen to that kind of music, but I really like this. Um, and musically, it was actually quite varied. I was pleasantly surprised. A lot of times I don't listen to uh, more hip-hop music because I think it kind of starts to sound very similar. Um, yeah. But I really like this. There's like funk and reggae. And, um, they delve into some deep issues in um a lot of like bitter apathy going on here, yeah. which I can I can relate to that. Um, and like sick beats, I like yeah. it. Yeah, let's talk about it. what what uh, we can just like bounce back and forth with like songs we liked or songs that we didn't like, but were very important <laughs> on the album. Like, what do you think? What would be like your first song you want to talk about? Well, my favorite song, Dolly. <laughs> Oh, Jolly, you said? Yeah. Oh, that was a pretty fun one, yeah. What is the significance of Jolly Ranchers in that song? Ah, so, time to talk about drugs. So there's... Gotcha. Yeah, so there's this uh, substance, codeine, basically cough syrup. And one oh, of yeah, the... I know what codeine is. Yeah, and so it's like, you know, two styrofoam cups, uh... Put in the cough syrup, put in some Sprite or another lemon lime type thing, and then you put in some Charlie Ranchers to sweeten it up. Because, as everyone knows, what you need once you already have cough syrup and Sprite is more sugar. <laughs> oh yeah, that one was a that was a fun one. Like it has that sort of dancehall beat, as someone come in to do more of a reggae type hook. I guess. Well, not reggae, more like reggaeton. Just generally having a pet. Just. The, the guest on the hook has a patois. And yeah. has a little catchy little chant. That was a fun one. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah, what was your favorite? Yeah, probably Fergsomnia. Because it's got all that energy, you know? It's like fake rap synth hit. And it's actually produced by uh, Shelly, who used to be called Big Baby Cran. 
The guy who did that broccoli song okay. a few years ago. Okay. Yeah. And then Twister comes in and he's like very he's a consummate professional, you know, he just comes in with all the really quick flows. It's been fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely had it's like it's manic insomnia throughout all yeah. of it. Just yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's just really fun. It's just sort of him flexing. I think there's a part in there where he talks about looking up in heaven and seeing his dad hanging out with Jimi Hendrix and they're getting high. <laughs> <It's> like, <"Fred."> <laughs> okay. <laughs> what else you got? Um. Hmm. What next? Wait, should we jump right into Hood Tales? Oh boy. Yeah, I guess I guess so. <laughs> I uh in terms of like the darker, you know, more serious um songs, um, this was probably my favorite one of those. Um you know, not for the same reasons of course, but I thought, I don't know. It was it was well done. I, I I don't know. I don't know what to say about it. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a surprising one to show up on the album, which up to this point had been pretty generally fun and light, and just from Ferg because it's much more of a sort of gangster. But I prob I haven't listened to a lot of his stuff in a while. From what I but from what I generally remember, a lot of his is much more on the glamorous side of. Gangster rap, and this is a much more street level, gritty, people are dying everywhere type thing. And he sounds. Yeah. He's just. He just sounds very emotional, and he comments that, like, you could die having fun at a picnic, and it's just really sad. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's horrible. And if, if you, you know, you've got the glamorous side and then you've got the really unglamorous side, you know, yeah. with blood and death and, you know, he, he, yeah. And, like, rampant drug use. Like, yeah. a lot of times he raps about drugs being fun, but also if, if you're having fun and doing drugs, here's the other side to that. It's gangs, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Another, I think of the, like, Dark Horns, at least the ones that are, that was probably, of the ones that are, like, specifically more sort of gangster-ish. My Mm -hmm. favorite was probably this side, just because it has a very good, catchy chorus, and it has that little intro, and then that, and it's kind of the same level about, you know, looking up to various random hoodlums and how death on the street can be random and bloody. And then uh, YG comes in. Uh, YG is actually a really good choice for the feature because, like, of the sort of probably one of the premier, like, sort of old-school gangster rap style guys and more of the... He's very, like, West Coast, old-school, meh type guy, Mm -hmm. so... He has a good appearance. He has a pretty fun verse on here. And then he randomly talks about Yosemite Sam. Which is like... I mean... 
early exposure to violence, you know? Yeah. It's, that, it's actually not the first hip-hop reference to Yosemite Sam as an, as an icon of having access to firearms that I've heard. But it's definitely it's a lot funnier when Ferg says it. And, mm-hmm. like, Pushy P. But yeah. Let's see, what else we got? What else looks... What else you like? Yeah, I... No, there was one more thing I wanted to say about that. Is you said... What did you just say? I don't even remember. Um, uh, death is random and violent. YG looking up to guys. Yeah, that there's also like I, I don't I wanna choose my words very carefully. Um like these this side is about, you know, it's very hard and dark. Um, but also there is a little bit of like relishing in that. Um and like, um, what am what am what am I trying to say? Like, there's the pride in saying like that sort of toughness, where it's like, yeah, on this side, as opposed to the other side, where people are softer, like that sort of thing. Yeah, like you're there. There's pride in it, definitely. Um, yeah. Even though it's it's yeah. um, very violent and um, damaging, there's still an appeal. Yeah, totally. Yeah, what do you want to go to next? Um, Bonnaroo. Okay, there. Yeah, that was a really good one. I like yeah, that, that one. one. Yeah. I like the drums. That was my favorite part. Yeah, definitely. It's a really nice beat. Uh, it's a yeah. That beat is a another one made by a famous rapper. It's uh this guy Big Crit. Actually, he's actually this really good rapper from Mississippi, who's been a very consistent presence for the last decade or so. But yeah, I really okay. did like that too, with like the sort of the bongos and the little vocal snippets. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Yeah, and it's sort of him recounting this the award show party and like on the one hand it's like, you know having groupies around, but also like his relationship to his idols has now gotten really weird because he's able to meet Lauren Hill and it's like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. He seemed like he was on top of the world for that one. Yeah, definitely. There's now King Bonnaroo, baby. Mm-hmm. I don't know what Bonnaroo is, but I'm assuming it's some um, sort of party or award show. Oh, it's a music festival. Oh, I feel silly. okay. How about Jungle? Jungle? Let's see. Let me look at my notes. That was pretty fun. It had good energy. Yeah. Funny. What, what did you like? Um, I liked the chorus. I thought it was a fun chorus. Yeah, the little ah uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. It's it's I don't a rare. Know why it's called jungle? I guess. I guess because you know, jungle of life. I guess. And yeah, it was like, fun. Yeah, yeah. He's just sort of all over the place, like. Okay, one party tries to flirt with Nicki Minaj and see 
and push past then boyfriend Safari. Unfortunately, unfortunately, then the third verse we get Marty Baller, who's like one of the sort of the hangers on. I don't know. How, how did you feel about the last guy who went? Um, I didn't super care for it. Yeah, yeah, me neither. He was he was kind of boring. One that was not boring, however, when we go there is Envy, which is oh. yeah, it's sort of the old school boom bap flavor, and it's like her driving around with fellow member ASAP Nast, who has gotten envious about not getting his mainstream debut, has decided to murder his entire recording group. Great move. Yeah. To note, he has still not put out a full project. It was seven <laughs> years since this album came out. What did you, th- you think? I really like this one. Honestly, I keep saying like the other ones were my favorite, but I remember this one because it was it was old schooly, and I, I liked that the drum kit was fire. Um, it was it was kind of a hate song, and I liked that. The crazy laugh before the crash was terrifying. Yeah. And it was it was what the kids call intense. Yes. (laughs) One that I didn't super care for was Real Thing. I thought it was kind of boring. Um, Was that love song? But there was guitar in it, and I liked that. Yeah. It was kind of sweet, but at the same time, like, kind of (laughs) not. Yeah. Yeah. I think that one, yeah, that's definitely sort of his trying to do, like, a pop sellout type song. Mm -hmm. You know, just a very nice radio-friendly beat. He has SZA coming on the chorus, and that was just, she's a very nice singer. My problem with that more was just that, like, I just gotta be honest. Ferg needs to stop being horny for one song. You just one song. (laughs) (laughs) He needs to stop talking about booty. Just say you love your girl's eyes and her personality. Does that do what to ask? Right, right. (laughs) That's why it was kind of not sweet. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. it's like family. If you name a part of a woman's body that isn't her chest. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I would say there are definitely a few songs that were uh, weaker, sort of just part for the course. Like Ja Rule doesn't do a lot for me. Dope Walk yeah. was very great, but the one that was the biggest crime against humanity was Doe Active because it's sort of a brag rap song, but it's really annoying. And the lyrics are really repetitive and screamy, and partway through he just starts yelling about seeing Adam Levine walking around. Yeah. I think what, it feels sort of, I think I mentioned in my text to you, but it feels like how sometimes Nicki Minaj will put out a song that's incredibly stupid, like, like, stupid ho, but like, she has, you know, the energy and ability to commit to a bit. Whereas Ferg isn't at that level, and so it was just painful. I don't know. Yeah. The bumps on the face got me. I'm like, ah, this is bad. (laughs) 
apparently, <laughs> yeah, apparently it's supposed to be a reference to Proactive, which was doing a series of commercials with Adam Levine, but like, I'm sorry, I wasn't watching facial cream commercials in 2014. So I don't get the reference. Oh my god. That's that's actually hilarious. I kinda like it now. Like I didn't really like the song, but just for that, it's kind of ironic. Yeah, it's just It also requires the burn to be you have pimples. Right. <laughs> right. Weren't we talking about the socioeconomic deprivation of children earlier? Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Let's see. I'm just gonna check through. I think the only major other song that I would want to. I would have like two more songs I want to hit because we are running a little long. I'm, how many more did you have that you wanted to talk about? Um. Cause mine were. Uh, were they uh talk it and commitment issues oh yeah those are good ones we didn't really talk about reloaded but okay yeah we can talk about reloaded um, yeah I'll, i feel I'll like that out. that was a really heavy one murder yeah. prison yeah yeah i'll talk about the let prison. it go <laughs> yeah i nearly died i'm like yeah. you didn't you really didn't it just makes you feel like horrible like, you're just supposed to be okay with all this stuff happening. And this just bitter, bitter apathy. Yeah. Yeah. Which one do you want to talk first? The, I guess, well, we're talking about Reloaded. I started talking about right? Reloaded, sorry. Yeah, let's talk. <laughs> no, no, it's good. We'll talk Reloaded. Yeah, so... say a lot of it is, uh, you know, a return. It's sort of right after the... Which one? Uh, Hotel's on this side, so it's sort of continuing with the darker, grittier, gangsta thing, but yeah, like you say, it's a lot more pathetic, and it's like references to a bunch of movies and TV shows, and it's a lot more flippant. There's also a lot of, a lot of uh, references are to uh, songs from the debut album, Trap Lord, like okay. The, the hook with the killing people with the AK, what it's for. Yeah. And then even the part called, because that was basically the chorus of that, the first track on that one, which was called Let It Go, which is probably um... why they interpolate Let It Go. Right. Which was, yeah, like you say, a weird, very dark placement, but little funny it was a little funny but it was it was mostly just really really dark <laughs> yeah yeah the darkest humor yeah oh yeah baby this is this is joker time joker. <laughs> i'm the joker uh let's, <laughs> uh let's see we can talk about talk it real quick so this is a uh, Clams Casino. Like right as he says at the beginning, it's a Clams Casino production, but probably one of his more low efforts times. Like he was all over Love Love ASAP. He's all over uh, 
Lil B stuff. He's done a few Mac Miller. He's done, he's a really good producer, and he has a bunch of instrumental mm-hmm. tapes up. And usually they're a lot more cloudy and weird than this one. This was more of a massage parlor song. And like, okay. Okay. Age, at least the beat was. But yeah, it's like, starts off with them talking about police brutality, and then it goes into the haters, and then, well, his fans abandoned him. So, what'd you think? Yeah, I really, I really liked the instrumentals. The, I, I liked this, um, the Clams Casino, um, better probably than any of the other ones. Um, I enjoyed it, even though I guess it was low effort. I'm just... <laughs> yeah, no, that is fair. Like, it is a nice melody. It's just like, that's probably part of me having like been familiar previously, but yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was also more of a refined song. A lot of his songs are pretty raw. Um, more refined, I think. I don't know. Is that? I definitely feel that in the first. The first verse, because it's this very you know direct confrontation of police brutality, and mm-hmm. it's actually. Got some decently insightful lyrics, like about lack of accountability in policing and just people going on disc leave, and then mm-hmm. hoping that you know more performative types of reform would and would cover up for not changing any deeper systems for this. So that was pretty good, mm-hmm. and then yeah, you just. Good. Then he switches to haters. Yes. Yeah. Alright, we gotta talk about haters now. Right, we were doing good. <laughs> and, then he, and then he talks about his fans switching up on him. Yep. Yep. We started off good, but you know. I should say refined with a little asterisk. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. It still gave me hope for that first one. It's probably mm-hmm. the most mm-hmm. politically profound thing that anyone from the ASAP mob has ever put out by a good margin. So. <laughs> then, I'm going to make this the second to last one because it's be kind of a downer to end on, but commitment issues where he talks about how his father and his uncle were both not very faithful and his father having a bunch of affairs and his uncle hooking up with women just to take their money, basically. And mm-hmm. how it's given them a war view of relationships. And it's like, man, he isn't wrong. It's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um, I thought this was pretty insightful. You know, it was sad. And like he's he's looking at this and being like, I'm making the same mistakes because that's what I learned, you know. It's hard. It's super hard to admit that, right? And then to even take it a step further and be a, a little apologetic about it, you know what I mean? Like you wish it wasn't that way. Yeah, I, I honestly applaud this one. Like, it's not the most. I think it's probably 
his best written song on the album, I would say personally. It would be my yes. pick, it had to be. Yeah. yeah. Musically, it's not the most interesting, but um, lyrically, definitely. Yeah. We gotta end on a happy one though, because I need I need that for myself. We got to. I need to double check <laughs> the lyrics to one song real quick, cause. You bet. Which one was the one with butthole bowling? I want to talk about that. Oh my gosh, <laughs> was it was it leave? No, I did. It wasn't weave because I thought so too. Actually, weave might be more fun to talk about. Oh. Let's just talk about that because that yeah, the butthole bowling was one song. But yeah, let's go weave. So weave. Let's close with this. Weave. It was twangy. It's a booty song. It's it is explicit. <laughs> yeah. Him talking about how he wants. Well, first of all, there's the juvenile reference to back that thing up, which was mm -hmm. it's always fun whenever they do that. And then he's, Berg's like, take your weave off. But it seems to be like some weird thing he has about doing it. Yeah, I think then, what it is, weave hits the floor is in her head's down. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, 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 ow. Oh. Quite the oh, yeah. position. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this was. Yeah. Lots of the very heavy time. Uh, he's, having, <laughs> he's banging five women at once. Yep, yep, that was in there. And, yeah. He makes references to. Beyonce, if you like it, you should put me in on it. And then the, the guest rapper shows up, uh, Crystal Canes, who mm -hmm. it's, it's, also has a good time. And then Marty Baller comes in, and he's talking about dealing drugs. And it's like, we were talking about something else, Marty. That was... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's... If you want Ferg at his... Mm-hmm. Ist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's Ferg Forever. It is a very all-over-the-place mixtape, as you may have picked up, but I feel like, given how sort of strange a character for makes himself out to be with, you know, all the energy and weird voices and stuff, and just the general loose feel of it. I think this one's, this is a case where I'm willing to let a total lack of core element pass, because it's just a really fun listen. It's just... It really is, yeah. Yeah. You know, a little bit of everything. Surprisingly well done. Yeah. Any final thoughts I enjoyed it. And I normally don't enjoy things like that, so yeah, pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Well, that's about all the time that we have for today, folks. The albums we listened to were "In the Aeroplane Over the Sea" by Neutral Milk Hotel and "Ferg Forever" by ASAP Ferg. I'm Caleb Clark. I'm Rachel Tador. 
and thank you for listening to the Billy Shakespeare.